Welcome to a special edition of No Church Answer. I'm Robert Koshu, also known as the professor on the No Church Answer panel, and I'm here with my co-panelist, Steve Titch, who we call The Gambler. Although as a group, we're taking a break from the weekly podcast, we'll be doing some specials like this throughout the summer. Steve recently attended a course led by N.T. Wright, the prominent Anglican theologian, professor, and bishop of Durham, England. From 2003 to 2010. Steve, you want to enter, tell us about the conference? Sure, you went to? I'll tell you a little about Denty Wright. Of course, uh, you call me the gambler. I, I'd put an over under of the number of books in your church library written by uh, N.T. Wright as 10. And I think that's low. You might want to take the over on that. Uh, Wright is truly a contemporary giant among intellectuals and theologians in the faith uh he has well in addition to having been uh bishop of the diocese of durham in the church of england right now currently he is senior research fellow at wycliffe hall at the university of oxford he held the position of research professor of new testament and early christianity at saint mary's college in the university of saint andrews in scotland and he's written some 40 or 50 books. Uh, they range from pretty uh, deep theological uh, issues. He's as, and, and one of the things we'll be talking about here, he's really a specialty in Pauline, Pauline, Pauline theology, uh, early Christianity, the early church. Uh, but he's written, probably it's in your church library, a series of books. Uh, commentaries on the whole New Testament. They, they go by the For Everyone series, uh, Mark for Everyone, Luke for Everyone, so on and so forth. So he, he's really up there. I mean, he's up there on the league with like C.S. Lewis, uh, Eugene Peterson, uh, certainly one of the greatest minds uh, in our faith today. Now, Tim Keller would be another yes, the, author the that was very Tim much who recently passed, mm -hmm. but that would be another, that would be another contemporary theologian that I would think of when I think of Minty Wright. Yeah, tell us about the conference. I'm I'm, yeah, they, I'm intrigued because <laughs> I saw it. I think about two weeks after mm -hmm. after you, I about two weeks before it started, and I was just kind of kicking myself, going, "God, I wish I had some vacation time." And and it would have been a good time at work because I might have just taken a couple of days to go indulge in this one myself. Yeah, well, it, they rightfully called it a summer intensive with NT Wright. Um, I I do uh, I do have some uh, some thanks to offer to our church staff. Uh, Davy Gibson in particular, who invited uh, some of the Sunday school leaders to uh, to to attend this conference in summer intensive. The topic was Acts, New World, New People, and it was hosted by Baylor's Uni Baylor University's George W. Truett Theological Seminary, N.T. Wright Online. And the South Main Baptist Church in Houston, where we where this took place over the course of four days, Sunday to Wednesday, it was it was an intensive, uh, and we really we walk through uh, the Book of Acts, and while there's no way I really can cover everything that we talked about, um, or I don't even try to summarize the course, but I want to really talk about some of the themes he used to guide his study and my takeaways because they they truly were were interesting and um I, I, you know gave me a new perspective on on the faith and and where his thinking is from so real real quick i have i have a i have a really quick simple mechanical question mm -hmm. for you 
did he did NT Wright when he broke it apart? Did he break it apart by themes, or did he do kind of a verse by verse? Uh, I'd say chapter by chapter, but closer okay. to the second example. But he uh, he's a brilliant lecturer because you you he holds together things uh, very well, and what what made this study of, of Acts different from what you well. First of all, it was scope. The scope of it is more than just you could get in a, even a Sunday sermon. Um, but in addition to being a theologian, Wright started out as a scholar of classical history. So as we went through Acts, he could connect it to what uh, Roman historians were recording at the same time about Roman life and politics, religion, and culture. And so he, he could he could... He, we got more than one dimension out of this. We got certainly the reporting in Acts, which was about the, of course, the the early, early work of the apostles, and particularly Paul, Peter, guys in the first part, Paul in the second part. Um, but he was really able to put it into the context of the background of where the early church where they were coming from in a way of theologically thinking, which is a lot different than what we what is now. And of course, what the culture was and, and what they were up against. And the the uh, uh, he sees, and, and we talked about this on the podcast, but Christianity was truly radical in in its time and place. The idea that we should look after people who are disadvantaged or, or, or take care of, 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 of truly helpless people um, or provide some kind of social welfare, even that's, you know, even, even you know, atheistic liberals might believe that. That is essentially a Christian idea. In ancient Rome, nobody did that. Nobody, they, 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 you know, the early Christians care and concern for abandoned babies, widows, lame beggars. It, it drew more than smirks, however. You know, these guys were seen as kooks, and Tacitus writes about this. The other part of this is that um, there was a growing dislike for these early Christians among provincial and Roman authorities in the cities where the churches were taking root. Um and in addition, local Jewish populations from Jerusalem and then outward into the diaspora communities, they had problems. Being a Christian in these days was not some great thing. You were taking a huge risk of being ostracized, of being disliked. Uh, if you were Jewish, your Jewish communities didn't want you because they saw this as blasphemy. And if you were pagan or Gentile, you were suddenly uh, not buying into the local stuff. Politically, and there was a political dimension, the Jews were a small, small part. We know that, that certainly in, in Israel, in Jerusalem, the Romans kind of let them alone. They let their weird monotheistic sect go, and they, they said, okay, we don't want trouble. We won't make you put Caesar, statue of Caesar in the temple. And they kind of behaved that way with the small Jewish communities around the Roman Empire. And uh, suddenly, Paul's coming along, planting churches and converting Gentiles. And the Roman authorities are going to draw the line. Hey, hey, we we are okay. You know, we're giving dispensation to these small 
the small ancient religious sect, we're not going to let everybody suddenly decide not to worship Caesar. Yeah, so and did, and did, so did so you see that's why hmm? I'm sorry. I was saying that's why you see this cycle of Paul. Paul uh, shows up, goes to the synagogue, gets kicked out there, goes to the Gentiles, does some church planting. But the end of the story is the same. He's either put in jail, run out of town, or both. So did did Wright's perspective kind of include that shift from Christianity thought of as the sect of the Jewish, albeit weird, sect of the Jewish religion to, wait a second, this is something totally different, and it's not. And does he did he kind of count that as, from his perspective, as being the thing that kind of started drawing the line in the sand well, he, for he, the civil authorities. He tend, uh, the civil authorities saw this as just an offshoot of Judaism, okay. which um, uh, they, 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 and, and to, to, to kind of play into that, the earliest Christians did too. The earliest Christians saw Jesus as the fulfillment of all the scriptural, what we know as the Old Testament, but but all the Jewish scriptural uh, law and prophets, uh, and so so that is so in that respect they 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 saw it coming out of uh, Judaism and Paul's preaching tied it all to that, but that's where they got they, the Gentile buy-in came. And then of course, out of that, we know came all the, well, did you have to become Jewish to be a Christian? <laughs> and, and that's, but, but that's what, but that's where exactly that went, Robert, where, where, yes, it was from the out, from, from the earliest outset, it was seen as something as an offshoot or a, a sect of, of Ju- Judaism to which, right. which the authorities saw, but, um, you know, and, and it had not, by the time we get to the end of Acts and even it, it, kind of the a, AD 60, 70, I don't, I don't think historically it had reached that total breakoff point. Um, you know, you, you might, and, and we didn't discuss that. So I'm, I, I'm, I'll have to go back, back to, to Paul Wright's done a lot of writing about, about the early Christians and Paul. So it might be in some of his writings. Right. So. When, when he was taking his approach, did you find it a fresh perspective that he was kind of comparing how the Roman culture and the current culture kind of counter, ex, counterposed themselves with Christianity? Mm-hmm. He, he had two big things. He had, the, the, he, he had one, how, how Christianity bumped into the, to the, to the, car, the, the secular thinking at the time in Rome. And he he sees parallels in what Roman society, what really what the what the psychology, the politics, the culture, the way of thinking was, and largely about this time, uh, what had pretty much what is pretty much the dominant thought, you know, and above the the kind of the the mythology and the idol worship, was that was was. Epicureanism, Epicureanism with a capital E, and that meaning Epicureanism in the classical sense. We come to think of that today as you know sensual indulgence, you know wine, women. It 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 didn't quite mean that. What it essentially did, though, and what makes it very similar to what what Wright sees today is 
Epicureanism very much emphasized the material and the empir empirical. You had, you had a physical world, which we live and work and see and hear. And yeah, we should just, while we're here, we should be sure to make ourselves happy. Now, now theologically, what the Epicurean would believe about the gods, and this is where also a parallel today, the gods are far away. They don't get involved. If there is a Mount Olympus or a heaven, they're, they're there and they really don't care what's going on. Yeah, sure, they might've done something in the past, but really they're not interested in what humans are doing one way or another. And, and so he sees that today of, of the, um, you know, of the way the church works in the world, that, that most, most of secular culture approaches religion that way. Now, where he says it spills over into the faith, and this is where he gets exciting. This is the early, the, the, we see, we Christians, and, I'm, and, and I'll agree that I'm, I'll raise my hand on this. We tend to see that same physical, spiritual divide. Um. Yeah, that that what we do here, we're bopping around, and when we die, our soul goes up to heaven, and it's all you know we're on clouds. The cultural idea is that heaven is up there somewhere, earth is down here, and there's really let's say a sharp line delineating that. Wright disagrees with that a hundred percent. Right. And he says that the, the early church similarly did not see this divide. And what they pointed to and what Wright points to is the ascension of Jesus in Acts 1, where Jesus in Acts is taken up bodily to heaven. Now, it's, a, it's hard to imagine. It is somewhat miraculous. But Wright sees that as really a, a, a demonstration that there is something physical something material about everlasting life. And then you pick up the notion in 1 Corinthians that Paul writes about spiritual bodies. Wright does not see heaven as somewhere up there. To him, heaven is much closer, right beside us. Jesus reigns there. That's where his throne's throne is. This is also where he says what the early church was and, and made that, that and, and this is what was driven by the resurrection. Jesus rose from the dead, and that was what the early church truly centered on, that resurrection, that reality, that death doesn't end, and there is a reality beyond the one we're in now. It's deep. I, I mean, it is really deep, but so you got those two, you got those two parts that he covered. One is Christianity versus the, the culture of the time, which was very materialist. Um, and even today, we're, our, we're in our faith, we're kind of taught this spiritual, physical divide. Yeah, well, and, and I always find out, I know this is Zach, but I always found it comparable to the First Corinthians 13, 12 passage, you mm -hmm. know, for now we only, for now we see only a reflection is in a mirror then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Mm -hmm. You know, the kind of the through a glass darkly mm -hmm. when we interpret yes. this, because mm -hmm. we're seeing, you know, mm -hmm. we're seeing we're seeing a part of the story, and I don't think we get to see all of the story. And so I, I always found that intriguing, you know, when you start mm -hmm. talking about where does heaven approach and how does heaven look at this. So where did Wright see parallels 
in the way the Roman culture and the early church faced off and how to and and then today's tension between culture and church. And and, okay. and I'm going to set that up a little bit okay. because I'll, I'll never go so far as to say America was a Christian nation. Was it founded on some Christian ideas? Yeah, probably. But in the South in particular, American culture was very much designed to support Christianity, especially in the South. You know, where I grew up, you know, there was no activities on Wednesday night. Why? Oh, because the Southern Baptist, by the way, the largest denomination, especially at that time in the South, had their Wednesday night activities. You didn't dare interfere with that. You know, there were the blue laws. You know, there was a lot of temperance in in the South, you know, as you go through because the different parts set up. And and all of that is really faded away today. And you're almost, I'll say, weird if you get up every Sunday and go to church <laughs> anymore. Um, so how did he see where Roman culture and the early church faced off and then the tension today between culture and church? Because we're really living in a undeniably more secular time as well, we were. I, I will preface by saying this, because Wright has a has an Anglican perspective and a and a European perspective, and the church is which is totally different. But 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 uh, I think there's there, I think there's enough to cross over. What we talked a little about this when we got to the part of Acts where uh, uh, Paul sets up a church in Ephesus. And uh, for those who, who remember the story, uh, he does such a pretty good job that um, the Christian community there, and I will get to this, apparent, well, let's put it this way, a dealer in idols, I guess a metal worker, he sold them, it, his business took a downturn. Now, it may have been because of the Christians. It may have been because it just was, you know, they hit an economic recession. We, we don't know. But he blames the Christian community. Uh, at, at large, really, where, where the Christians were, because Christians would not bend the knee to the idols of the time. You know, they'd kick their throw away or put away their household idols. Everybody had household idols. Everybody, you know, touched somebody. It was, it was just part of the thing. And, and it was part of the background. This is, this is another thing. And I, and we, we, when we talked about idols on the podcast, there are so many idols that we have, even Christians have in the background that really are, we, we, we wouldn't think of them as idols, but they are. Go I'll, I'll, I'll make a note as which podcast that is because, because we got a little, little heated, but nonetheless, there, there they are throwing out their idols, and they're not bending their knee to the local gods. So when things happen, like a hurricane or a storm or an economic downturn or just something unfortunate, who are those people who are not bowing to those idols? This is all this, this judgment is coming down upon us because of those Christians over there who just aren't. You know, aren't paying attention, aren't aren't doing what they need to do to keep society going, and aren't behaving well. Now, now I'll give you. This is why I like this Ephesus moment because I don't know. I mean, I don't think, I don't think the Christian community in Ephesus was as big to actually affect, you know, the, this idol business the way it did. I, I, I even even Wright talks about that that these communities numbered. If they were if they were big, they were in the hundred. But you know they were they were still really small. 
But as an example, Robert, I'll give you this. Last month, uh, you'll remember uh, Target um, celebrated uh, Pride Month, not simply by putting stuff, you know, some rainbows out. They decided to go whole hog into showcasing trans trans transgender bathing suits with tuck pouches sticking it right front and center in their stores across the country now it's true you know and i don't think that i don't i don't approve of what they did but probably some some christian yahoo called in and said i'm gonna you know vandalize the place or something like that i'm mad he actually threatened it um which isn't good but in the meantime across the country people stopped going to target and they weren't just a bunch of Christians in, in Arizona. The company lost, I think, more than a billion in market cap. Um, they, and in, they in are 2%. still, by the way, suffering severe right. sales. And they're starting, the, the, to, cut, they're the, starting the, to cut hours and everything. But the CEO went on, went on, you know, before the shareholders, went on the news. He didn't say, we blew it, we really misread. He blamed it on two Christians in Arizona. Two Christians in Arizona does not does not cannot cost Target two percent of their market cap. So I'm going to say Wright did not bring up Target, but he brought up the fact that it's Christians will be blamed for when when they do not bow to the idols of our time, and certainly diversity and you know transgender, all of that rainbow is a big is a big idol. Uh, I not will, just I will, and and and, and, I, and I've got that. and you know that I've got different feelings about gay, oh, yeah. but, but that is you know we we saw and but but essentially it's almost a meme now. If something if 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 some 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 very progressive big budget film fails, it's the Christians. If uh, if something doesn't if a business strategy. Uh, you know, if Bud Light doesn't work, it's the Christians. So I, I'm saying it's 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 that's that's what I see. The that's where a parallel is. And I and and while Wright did not bring this up, he made a point by saying when things went bad in Rome, and that's why Nero began the persecution. In fact, it was all that. The, the you know don't blame the fact that Nero is insane and he's a crazy emperor and his policies are mecking, messing up the whole life. He can blame the Christians. Yeah, well, and and I'm going to add to that. It's it's the extreme mm-hmm. DEI where where you're looking at it. Where you know if you're in corporate America today, you're going to be forced to bow to the idol mm-hmm. of DEI, whether you like it or not. I'm fortunate I work in oil and gas, and mm-hmm. honestly, we don't care. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, we care in the sense that you know you're supposed to show up for work, treat everybody respectful, and once it goes beyond that, <laughs> you know, but it, but it's but it is very, very much. So how does he tell us about the way the early Christians really lived out their faith in Acts and that how can we take parallels? Because this is always, this is like our big thing on No Church Answers. Mm-hmm. Is well, they, how, do we, how do we live it out today? The early Christians, and, and they, they were one or two degrees. In some cases, they were, they experienced the resurrected Christ directly uh, or were one or two degrees away from somebody who did. This is, this is why I'm, I'm convinced this happened because I don't think the church would have grown the way it did. But, but to get to your question, what they saw the resurrection of Christ, not only as, as a, as a hard and true fact, 
that it essentially ushered in a whole new, to use a term of our time, reboot of history. A whole, a whole refocusing of God truly stepping in and taking control and asserting himself as being in charge. Now, you know, we can, you know, you get into all the murky stuff, well, why does stuff, all the questions that come out of that, and and maybe we, I, makes me want to go into right, because I, I want to ask, you know, really? I mean, what was different about, you know, it still seems it's pretty, you know, there's suffering, there's war, there's disease, there's bad things happen to good people. What What changed? But the early Christians were living, accepting the fact that it did, that death was not the end, that it was that that Jesus himself was very close. The idea that that walking, you know, we, we use it in church, walking with Jesus, you know, walk with Jesus. It sounds a little difficult. It sounds a little churchy. They they I, I won't say they they saw him standing beside him, but they were able to connect at a level that I think it's hard for us to imagine you know 2000 years but they but they saw they 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 saw the resurrection as as critically important to their understanding of the world which i think led to the motivation of the at that point all literally all that stuff you know everything they they we preach about oh you know money doesn't matter all all that stuff we want to hear money doesn't matter uh this doesn't matter what what you know dying doesn't matter the the bulk of a lot of these New Christians went on to be tortured and killed and did not renounce their faith. And I think that stands to reason that they understood something that the others of the time didn't, and that maybe even we as Christians still have to struggle to understand. But I think they lived out their faith with the utter certainty that Jesus was ruling the world, that Jesus was the ultimate authority. And that Jesus as presented in the Gospels is what God is really like, was the Son of God. And, and uh, it was, you know, to a degree that perhaps, perhaps it was never as strong as it was in that first century, because as you get further and further away, it becomes hard. Yeah, yeah. So as we, as we come to the end of our time here, as we start thinking about this, what would you say would be the one big takeaway that you would take from the conference? Aside from read more NT right, I'd say read more NT right. <laughs> I'd say I'd say I'll endorse that. <laughs> try try to really find this idea of living as as a as a re, as a person who who not only has said accepted. Jesus as Savior, Lord, Redeemer, there's a very real existence behind this. It's I, I am not I am not praying to someone on a cloud or some, you know, some some you know mystical mist. I that that Jesus bodily exists. And at, in the end of the literally at the end of the day. I will join him. And, and that is going to be something almost unfathomable. So, so it's more, it's, it's more than just accepting, 
God, Jesus as your savior, it's accepting that he truly still lives and rules. And how can you be a true servant of that kingdom? If you knew, if you knew there was, you know, that the, the, the guy might be out of town, but that's his corner office over there. And, and even when the door is closed, sometimes you got it. You got to know he's in there. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I appreciate the perspective. And we hope you have enjoyed this oh. special summer edition of No Church Answers. We're going to be back at the 1st of September, I believe. Is that right, or thereabouts, Steve? Thereabouts. Or thereabouts. <laughs> with episode number 298, countdown to our big 300th episode. So we hope you enjoy the rest of your summer. And as we like to tell everybody, if you are not in a local Bible-based church, shame on you. Find a local Bible-based church, as Bill likes to says, why so you'll go. And once you're there, find a small group of men that you can meet and have discussions with. And if there isn't one of those groups in that church, then it's your job as a man to start one. This is Robert Koshy, the professor, with our panelist Steve Titch, the gambler, wishing you all a happy summer. Thank you for joining us, and we'll be seeing you soon.